Everybody wants to tell me where I should be going. Everybody wants to point the way. All these different voices calling out my name feels like more than I can take. When all I want to do is do justly. Love mercy, walk humbly, live a simple life, do justly. Love mercy, walk humbly, live a simple life. Well, good morning. How are you all? Good morning out there. How are you all? We'll take that as a yes, you're good. My name is Ed Hires, I'm one of the pastors here at Shiloh, and we are continuing our series today of looking past the Christmas lights, different attributes of how Jesus came to this earth. The first one was by Josh Locke, and it was all about how Jesus came humbly. He came with humility. He was the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, but he decided to come as a servant. And last week, we heard from Pastor Greg, who talked about how Jesus comes with interruption. Boy, could I identify with that. I've been interrupted in my life a number of times. Always good ones, though. It don't seem like that when they first start, but uh, always good ones. So today, our title is Life Isn't Simple, But We're Supposed to Be, all right? Based on the title, you may know what the attribute today is for Jesus' coming, and that is that he came with simplicity. You know, I'd never heard that song you just heard. I'd never heard of Tyrone Wells. But when I listened to it, I thought, wow, that is so perfect to what we're going to be preaching today. I love the first verse. It says, all these different voices calling out my name feels like more than I can take. When all I want to do is do justly, love mercy, walk humbly, live a simple life. So I don't know about you, but I'm glad when I read the Bible that it doesn't say this. Jesus was so stressed when he was in Galilee, he knew he needed to be over in this one, and he was, he was running late, and he's upset with his apostles. What's the matter with you? All that kind of stuff. No, he wasn't hectic. He wasn't stressed. He didn't wonder where the time went. Since he created time, I guess he wouldn't wonder where it went. You see, he came simply. He was born in a stable, one of the most humble births, right? He was born to a very, very average family, not a, not a famous family. And he would go on in his ministry to demonstrate how to live this simple life. So if we're going to talk about simplicity, how he came with simplicity, let's define it. I love defining words, so I know what I'm talking about. So here's uh, several definitions of simplicity. Simplicity is the state of being uncomplicated. It's innocence, okay? Innocence. Freedom from pretense or guile, directness of expression, clarity when we speak, and restraint in ornamentation. So if you put all those together, this is what I believe is a fairly good way of saying this is what a simple life looks like. It's a life that is not complicated, a life that is not characterized by suspicion or skepticism, Not the kind of life that says one thing but then does another. A life where honesty and transparency are very important. A life not complicated 
by the things of this world. The more simple your life is, the less complications you'll have, the less you'll have to worry and fret, and the more you will have rest for your souls, your emotions, your mind, your intellect. Psalm 119 says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You see, God wants us to be simple in this world so that he can give us heavenly wisdom where we're not looking at the world, we're looking to him. You see, God doesn't say that, or Psalm 119 doesn't say that God takes wise people and makes them wiser. It says that he takes simple people and he makes them wise. You see, his desire to make you and I wise in the things that he wants us wise in never stops, but our need to stay simple in this life never ends. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus was always the Son of God. He decided to lay down that right and privilege, but he was always the Son of God, yet he took on a very different lifestyle than someone who was the Son of God would take. Jesus chose a very, very simple, modest life. Luke 9 says this, Foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son The Son of Man has nowhere, no place even to lay his head. You see, when Jesus was on earth, he didn't have a home. He didn't have a nice, you know, really nice home. He didn't even own a condo, not even an apartment. Maybe a room? No, he didn't have that. See, for three years, Jesus never knew where that night where he was going to lay his head in most situations. We many times equate worldly success with a great life. And while that can be true, that can be true, success many times creates stress, creates hecticness, creates complication. When I'm not pastoring here, I have a financial services firm. And we have clients that are very, very wealthy. And I will tell you, if you think that money and success equates to a a great life, I could have several of them come in and stand up here and tell you that's not true, okay? See, a lot of issues can complicate our lives when we're successful. So many times what we think we want to get in this world ends up being something that doesn't simplify our life, and that's what we really all want. You don't want a complicated, stressful, hectic life. It, it, whenever I hear about financial success, I can't help but think of uh, Nelson Rockefeller. By the way, Nelson Rockefeller, if you inflation uh, inflationed his uh, money forward to today, he would be richer than Bill Gates. Okay? He would be the richest man in the world except for one that we see, or maybe two, but definitely one, Solomon and David at a, at a certain level, but Solomon especially. But this is what... Nelson Rockefeller answered, and some of you know this quote because I've used it before. They asked him, Mr. Rockefeller, how much money is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. And they also asked his accountant when he died, they said, John, whatever the accountant's name was, can you tell us how much 
money he left after he died. And he said, all of it. So, financial success can be tricky. Jesus said this not just once, if you read the scripture, apparently more than once. He says, I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I have to tell you something. That scripture always seemed extremely harsh to me. Because I couldn't get a picture of a needle big enough for a camel to get through. All right? So, I just assumed, take it for what it's worth, that rich people went to hell for the most part. Now, you may think and say, well, that doesn't apply to me. Oh, yes, it does. If you're sitting in this room today, how did you get here? You can't hear most of you in a car. All right, you have a place you're going home to today, whether it's a room, an apartment, a house. You have food that you're pretty sure you're going to have today and tomorrow and the next day. You're rich compared to the rest of the world. So don't think it takes millionaires or this and the other. We're rich. You know, it's a very relative term. But here's what happened. A number of years ago, I was reading about this scripture, and a number of scholars have a different view of this than the way it sounds, okay? Because I couldn't come up, think of how big the needle would have to be to have the eye be big enough for a camel to go through. Now, here's where I was wrong, so you can put up that picture. Okay, so back in days of old, Cities were built with walls, not to decorate them, for safety. Because there were marauders that would go around and would raid different places where people lived. So they built these walls, and at night they would shut a gate like that. And the reason they shut the gate is because it's dark. They didn't have searchlights. They didn't have anything like that. And people would come. If they could get in the city at night, they could rob them, kill them, do all the rest of that. And they also had people usually stationed around the walls so they didn't build ramparts to come up and go there. But most of the people back in the day, when this, when this was written, they rode camels, all right? So what they would do is people would come at night, right? You're out having a good time. It's a little later than you thought. You ride up, and it's midnight, okay? How do you get in? Well, most of the time, you're going to be on a camel. You won't be walking. You have to take everything off your camel. You have to have the camel get close to that little door you see there. It's called the gate, or it's also referred to as the eye of a needle, and the camel has to get down on its knees and crawl in to the city. Guess what? That takes a lot of time. So if you have 25 marauders, by the time they get all the camels through, it'll be daylight. And they'll be killed. All right? So it's an interesting analogy, isn't it? Okay? When we get to the gate of heaven, all right, guess what? With all your stuff, you're not going to have any of that with you. You're just going to be you and God and the, and the pearly gates if they're made of pearls, which I think one of them at least is. So you have to get rid of all that stuff. You go in as you are, and you go in with, hopefully, the wisdom that God had. And I don't know about you, but when I wake up and I'm in heaven, I think the first thing I'm going to do is fall to my knees. I mean, come on, it is going to be awesome. So I'm not a camel, but I will fall to my knees. That, the blood of Jesus Christ... And the wisdom I gain from God is what I will take into eternity. So this is what Jesus said about this whole idea of power and success, which I'm going to, I could make a great argument, is not the way to simplify your life. It doesn't mean you can't, as a Christian, have success out of a simple life. But you have to work at that. Here's what he says in Matthew 18. At about the same time, the disciples came to Jesus asking, who gets the highest rank in God's kingdom. For an answer, Jesus called over a child whom he stood in the middle of the room and said, 
I'm telling you once and for all. So guess what that means? He's told him many times before. Once and for all, I'm telling you that unless you return to square one and start over like children, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. This is the message. Whoever becomes simple and elemental again, like this child, will rank high in God's kingdom. What's more, when you receive the childlike on my account, it's the same as receiving me. See, for you and I, to follow Jesus the way he wants us to follow him, we must become simple as a child. He even used that child and saying, this is what you will enter into. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It's innocence. It's innocence. It's uncomplicated. It is beyond our comprehension. But I will tell you this, being childlike doesn't come naturally. See, you and I need to learn how to approach God in this childlike innocence. But how do we do that? How do you and I become childlike? And there is an answer. And are you fortunate that you're here today? I have the answer. Come on. Yeah. Wow. Who would have thought? All right. I believe there are two critical things to live a simple life and learn how to approach our Heavenly Father childlike. And here are the two. You need instruction, right? on how to do it. And like anything else that doesn't come naturally, you have to practice. Okay, did you know that with good instruction and with lots and lots of practice, you can do almost anything? That's the way God made us. But how about I demonstrate for you how this can work in a secular way, all right? So, how many people know what this is? A Rubik, go ahead, go on. Rubik's Cube. Rubik's Cube. And what this is, is a game. It's a puzzle. You turn it any number of different ways, okay? I'm not going to do that because I will never get it back to look like this, just so you know. So guess how many different options, because it turns every way on this axis. Guess how many different configurations you can make of this cube. Take a guess. 43 quintillion. Let me give you that number. Yes way. Okay. Every single one of these turns every different way. 43 quintillion. Who counted that? I don't know. They calculate. Thank you, Mr. Greg, the engineer. All right. So, and here's the other thing you don't know about these cubes. That if you have instruction and you practice, there are, no matter what configuration you have, you are 20 moves away from having it look just like this. Is that not amazing? Have you ever done one of these? I could spend an hour making 7,242 moves, and if I'm fortunate, I get one side to be solid. All right? So, with that in mind, I have a video. What else is new? Go ahead. Show this video. This is not done. Come on, get us up five. Okay. So, you will notice that when he sat down, he did not mix his own cube up. They're given a cube, and it's mixed. You notice he was looking all around to see what it was mixed like. In 4.2 seconds, 
and 20 moves later, he had this cue back like this. I would submit to you that if you're the brightest person in the world, it'll take you hours to do this. But you know why he could do it in 4.2 flipping seconds? You know why he could do that? He could do that because he got good instruction. Wow, come on, everybody's so excited. Number two is he not only got good instruction, but what do you think he's been doing? Oh my goodness. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't know that's a good use of our our time. But I think to watch that video, I just say, God, with your help, I can do anything. You know, anything. If anybody can do a Rubik's Cube in 4.2 seconds, I can do almost anything except that, of course. All right. But here's the question. How do you do a simple life? Not how do you do a Rubik's Cube, right? How do you, no, it's how do you live a simple life? Well, you need that same instruction. You need practice because God's simple way of life does not come easy, okay? It's not simple to become simple, all right? And you can't practice without good instructions. And I will tell you this, the world always gives you bad instructions, okay? They want you to live a life that is anything but simple, but they make it look appealing. But it's not good instruction. See, we need to figure out where do we go for instruction? Well, I want to go and let Jesus tell us a little about that. John 7, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. John 8, the one who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. John 12, For I have not spoken on my own, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment about what to say and what to speak. Here was the commandment. You say what I say, you say what I speak. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, except for John now, this scripture, heaven and earth will cease to be or will pass away, but my words will never cease to be. And John 6, which we'll put up on the screen, on the monitor, it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. You see, we're clear from the New Testament that Jesus took his direction from the Father, had that ability to be so connected to the Father that he literally could repeat the words his father gave him. You see, in life, we battle the flesh because that's what wants to tell us what what to do. The flesh always wants something more. It always wants more. We sometimes, in that environment, can make Christianity so complicated because we get into this whole idea of what can I do and what can I do. It's a bunch of do's and don'ts, and that's not what the word says we're to be. You see, it's quite simple. It's quite simple. We don't just need to read the Bible, because that's where the instructions are. It's not just Jesus' words. Don't go to the red letter edition and say that's all there is. The Bible says very clearly that men wrote the word as the Holy Spirit prompted them or moved them. The entire word of God is the word of God. That's why we call it that. But it's not enough to read. I read the Bible, and I love doing it. I have a devotion. I read the Bible every day. Thanks to Mr. Vicaro, or Greg, Pastor Greg Vaccaro. He got me into that years and years ago. And, and it's not enough. My mentor taught me, Ed, it's great to read the Bible. You'll absorb some of that. But what 2 Timothy 2.15 says is this, study 
to show yourself approved to God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You see, the Pharisees quoted Scripture to Jesus, and he said, you do error because you don't really know the Scripture. You got it wrong. We have to study God's Word. And I know, you know, some of you in here have been Christians for 237 years. You've read the Bible over and over 55 times. But I'm going to submit to you that a lot of Christians never study the Bible. And it's one of the reasons why we struggle when issues and hardships come our way. And what about practice makes perfect? Philippians 4.9, Paul speaking. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. See, Paul was super. You read, I love Paul. I want to see him when I get to heaven. And, but isn't that great to be able to say? Isn't that great to be able to say? Ernie, just watch me. Watch everything I do. Watch what I've told you. If you do that, you'll have the peace of God. I'm not saying that. <laughs> okay? But I'd love to be able to say that. Occasionally, that's okay. When I want you to watch me, I'll tell you. And you can watch me. See, nothing in God's Word tells you to live a hectic, complex, overcommitted life. That's the flesh and that's the world. And here's a question. If you're listening in today, you're sitting here, do you have something complex in your life? Do you have something that you just wish could be more simple? Well, if you get God's Word on the subject, you can make it that by reading it and by practicing it and practicing it and practicing it. The more complex it is, the more you have to practice. Doesn't that make sense? If I want to do the Rubik's Cube, okay, I don't have to study as much as tic-tac-toe. All right? It's easy. Rubik's Cube, hard. We need to practice living it out. See, Jesus had this way of simplifying things. Remember Jairus, daughter dying, goes and gets Jesus. They're walking back. What's everybody telling him as he gets close to the house? Don't bother him. She's dead. And Jesus just looks at him and says this one thing, just believe. From that very complex, horrible situation came great simplicity, and she was alive. You see, to the woman at the well, who had a very complex life as we listened to all that she was, he tells two things. He says, I'm he, I'm the Messiah that they talked about, and let me prove that to you. And tells her all about her complicated life, and suddenly she's free. Simple. Jesus says to Martha, basically, Martha, you make everything complex, okay? You fret over many things. Mary has got a simple thing she's figured out. She doesn't care about eating. She doesn't care if everybody's taken care of. What she cares about is hearing my words. She's at my feet. And I will tell you, in my most complicated times, I was driven to the feet of Jesus because I had nowhere to go. If you've never been desperate enough to have nowhere to go but God, in some ways, I feel bad for you because that's when God shows up in a mighty way. If your life right now is a bit like a Rubik's Cube life and you're finding it very impossible to solve, get some instruction and practice, practice, practice. When I became a Christian, my first several years were very tough. I was overjoyed with finding God but my life was very complex and very messed up. And it was very much like a Rubik's Cube. 
And so what I did, I had a mentor that said, Ed, you need to find out what the board says about anxiety and fear and worry and fret and and all that kind of stuff. So I went and I put together a whole list of scriptures about trusting God, about the peace of God, about faith in God. And I just read those over and over and over and over and over again. That was when I was 25. All right, I'm 69 now. Guess where I go? When life gets complex for me, I go right back to those scriptures. And you'll see me in bed before I go to bed at night, reading over and over. I had a a young man call me recently and tell me that he had COVID and he was so anxious that he couldn't sleep. He had two nights where he couldn't sleep. He he didn't know what had come over him, but everything was just horrible. And he he visioned everybody dying and all this kind of stuff. And I said, hey, I'm going to send you some scriptures. This is probably the thousandth time I've sent these scriptures out. And I called him the next, no, he texted me early the next day. He said, I read those scriptures all night before I went to bed. I slept eight hours in a row. What do you think he thinks about scripture now? And by the way, if you have any of those traits, you just send me an email at edichildcommunity.church and I'll send you those scriptures. They come with a guarantee, okay? You want those? edichildcommunity.church. Hey, Christmas time is coming, all right? So I'm blessed, okay? I was delivered from a demonic oppression. It was putting toys together at Christmas. (laughs) Have you ever got those things? Doesn't the box look nice with the finished product? And then you open it up and like these nine million pieces fall out on the ground. Oh, and, and I was up sometimes till two in the morning putting those together. And then I get to the end sometimes and guess what? I had pieces left over. So I looked to see if they were extras. They didn't have any extras. So sometimes I would have to go back nine steps to figure out that I missed a piece very early and put it back in and go through it all over again. All right? You ever find that? You know why? You know why that happened to me? I didn't really need the instructions. I had a picture, I had the parts. I can build this, all right? So when I got to step 84, which some, have you ever had a toy that had like 70 steps to it? All right, I get to 84 and man, oh man, it didn't look like the picture on the box, but I had to fix it. But here's the deal. I had good instructions. I chose not to read them. And guess what else? If I put 10 of these together right after one another, by the time I get to the ninth or tenth one, I don't need those instructions anymore. I know how to do that. I know what it takes. I have experience. I have practice. I know this sounds simple, but I will tell you, Christians understand, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, you need to study God's word right now because a lot of Christians are in bad spots. I hear their words. And I say, man, oh man. See, our culture wants to make very simple things complex. You know, we must never let the complexity of our culture replace the simplicity of the Bible. A whole other message on that, which I won't get into because that would take a lot of development time. See, the simple life that you and I want always has two ingredients, and that's reading our instructions and practicing what we read. Again, my my mentor again, I think of him so often, oh my goodness. He would say to me, Ed, the Bible isn't written like those instructions for the toys you put together. 
It doesn't start at Genesis and go one, two, three, four. No, it's like all the instructions are there and someone just spread them out everywhere across the book. But the good news is we only have one book. We don't have 16. We don't have a volume situation here. See, when Jesus was out in the desert and the devil came to him, Jesus didn't say, you loser, what are you doing here? Let me tell you what's going to happen to you. You are a stinking, he didn't curse him out, he didn't get angry at him. He was calm, he was simple, and when the devil would tempt him, what did he say? It's written. You see, I I don't want to go down this path too much either because there's differing opinions, but I believe Jesus found himself in Scripture. And I believe that's how he was at 12 years old debating the, the rabbis. If you don't believe that, that's fine. That's not a tenet of faith. But I believe he found himself. And I believe he was a student of Scripture. I believe the reason he could quote that is not because he was the son of God. It said he laid aside his godliness. It's because he knew Scripture. And when the devil came at him, there was no chance. No chance. There's a simple solution to every problem you and I have, and it's the words of God. I love the fact that God speaks to me sometimes supernaturally, but I will tell you this, it better line up with the word or it isn't God. So, last question. What's in your life right now that needs simplification, that needs simplicity? Is it a messy relationship? Are you having a tough time in your marriage? Are you having a tough time in a romantic relationship? This is really complex. Are you having trouble in your marriage and in a romantic relationship with someone else? That's a mess. That's super complicated. Are you having a problem with a coworker? Or what about a child, an adult child? Is it complex? Is there something about your career that has become so complex? What about politics and the pandemic? Has that become so complex for you? So many voices. What about an attitude? Are you, are you struggling with an attitude that makes your life complex? Have you been hurt by someone that you just can't shake it? Are you an angry person? Do you have a hard time controlling your anger? Is that what makes your life complex? How about a failure? Have you failed at something that you can't just get out of your mind? Have you done that? What about fear and worry? Boy, oh boy, that... If enemy has a tool in his bag right now, it's fear and worry. So, whatever it is, God's word has an answer for you, just like he has an answer for me. But we need to get instruction. We need to get those instructions down there. We need to read and study those instructions, and then we need to practice it. You know, every once in a while, the devil will put a fear on me about something, and I know better. I know where it comes from. I get anxious over something, which makes no sense while I'm anxious. By the way, anxiety is unbased fear. So when you can't explain it, that's what it is. (laughs) Okay, don't, don't be surprised. It's not natural. And here's what I know. I know that God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. I know I trust in the Lord with all my heart that all these things will come to me. I know scripture after scripture after scripture in this area because it's an area that I occasionally battle in. And in that scripture, but let me tell you something. I've, and I know it's so weird because I preach all the time, but every once in a while I get this anxiousness about preaching. And I sit down there, and one Sunday I remember coming up here, you wouldn't know this, but I was like this. I was like this so I didn't fall down. All right, I was so anxious. I have no idea why. I made it through both services. 
I refuse to let the devil rob me of doing what God has for me. I don't care. I'll fall down. You'll have to hold me up. I'll finish. But see, I've learned that. I've learned that. I've learned that. I want us all to learn how to take complexity in our life and make it simple. And God's word has the answer. So, Father, I thank you. Oh, Lord, living a simple life is hard. It's not complex, though, Lord. We go to your word. We read your word. It tells us what to do about child relationships and romantic relationships that are going bad or marriages that are going bad. We have, and not only that, we have Google, Lord. You gave us Google. So we can go on there and say scriptures about fear and worry. And we get, you know, 77 best scriptures about fear and worry. Scriptures on healthy marriages. And we get all kinds of scriptures on, Father, we have no excuse. But Lord, we have to take the time. We have to lay aside some of the complexity of our lives. We have to keep waiting till the end of the day to open the Bible when we're half asleep. We have to start telling ourselves we can't get up any earlier. No, just adjust our lives so we can get up earlier. And Lord, if our life is a mess and it's complex and it's hectic, you know, every journey begins with a single step. Lord, help us to step out. Oh, Father, I pray. We live in a world that, you know, even more than witnessing to other people, we need to learn how to walk through this time simply. I hear such complexity coming from different mouths. I'm tempted to do the same thing. Oh, Father, help us. We need you. Father, we trust that you have today in your hands, tomorrow and every day thereafter. But if we believe that, why would we ever fret? Why would we be angry? Why would we challenge? Why would, we divide? Why would we be divided? So, Father, I pray today that you can make six sides of a Rubik's Cube come together in one move. That's who you are. So, Father, help us. Good instruction. Lots of practice. We want to live a simple life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're glad you're here today, and uh, we're glad you're out there today. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. We're going to have 50-degree weather and sun, and get ready. We plummet this week into single figures. So uh, go and uh, have a great day.